0: to 2 John I don't have to tell you what chapter to go to because there's only one chapter 2 John I'll help you out VJ it's between 1st and (laughs) 3rd right there towards the back one of the things that I think as Christians we truly need to do is examine our hearts sometimes i believe that there's things that happen in our lives that that we we don't we don't fully understand and that's okay there's things that i don't understand this side of heaven i'll never understand i'm, I'm okay with that i've learned that that's okay but we need to examine our hearts so we can walk with the lord and keep as close to him as possible we let too much worldly stuff get in our way. We let too much of the world get in between our walk with God. And we need to check ourselves. And make sure that we have pushed as much world out as possible and allowed the separation between us and Jesus to close down. Close that gap down where we're walking hand in hand, arm in arm with our Lord. Now, what we're getting ready to read over here in John, John knew walking with the Lord was not easy, but he knew that faith would one day end in sight. I love that. John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, any of these writers of the Gospels that we read, none, not one of them ever told us or he not even promised us that this walk with the Lord would ever be easy. If I was to stand here this morning and and this whole congregation was nothing but a bunch of lost people, if I was to stand here and tell you that it's going to get harder through salvation, if I stood here this morning and said, if you want to have Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want a relationship with Jesus Christ, come forward. But it's going to get hard. Life's going to get hard for you. The devil's going to get on your back. He's going to do things to you that, that would absolutely make you run. If I was to tell you all the bad things that the devil's going to do, once you're saved, most people wouldn't come up here. But if I followed it up and said, but you have Jesus, the devil's going to make it hard. But through all these things, your relationship with Jesus Christ is going to get much, much easier. It's going to get much, much stronger. Your relationship with Jesus is going to get, um, it's going to get tighter Some people may may say, well, I can handle that. I don't mind some persecution if my walk and my love for Jesus is going to get stronger. We need to remember that. That through, through salvation, there will be some persecution. But through salvation, our walk with Jesus, it may get a little rocky, might get a little bumpy, but our walk will never end. And the end is in sight, and the end is heaven. We need to keep that in mind. If you got your Bibles, I'm going to try to move on into this thing about about watching yourself and watching what goes on in your life. Stand with me just a moment. We are going to read the entire we're going to read the entire book of Second John. <laughs> the elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever, grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, Lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is, deci- this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we loose not those things "...which we have wrought, but that we, have, that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not his doctrine, this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him godspeed speed is a partaker of his evil deeds." Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our our joy may be full. The children of thy elect, sister, greet thee. Amen. Conley, will you open up prayer, please? y'all have a seat now this greeting right here that he starts out with I love, I love how John does this he says I beseech thee lady I beseech thee lady he's talking to this woman and her children you don't see this very often in the New Testament where it's addressed to a woman but he had got a letter back, and he was, had some concerns about what was going on here, not just with this lady's life, but what was going on around this lady, what was going on around this town where she was at. And so he, he strikes up this letter, and he starts it off with, I beseech you, lady. If you go back in, in verse 1, it talks about the lady and her children. So most likely this refers to a very specific lady, somebody that he had met along his little journeys Uh, Along the way, she may have even been a supporter of his missions. I don't know, but she was probably well-known, her and her family. And so he's addressing this straight to her. This letter was written to warn about false preachers, false teachers, false doctrine that's going on. And I believe we need this in 2023 right now. I believe we need this reminder that there are still sheep and wolf clothes, or wolf and sheep clothes, whatever that is. There's still... False teachers, false doctrines still being taught, still being preached around the world. And we need a reminder that we've got to stay vigilant. We've got to stay on our toes. We've got to stay armed. We've got to keep that whole armor on that, that, that Paul tells us about. We've got to keep that whole armor on and in check as, and as often as possible. And we have to rightly divide the Word of God. We have to make sure that we stay on our toes whenever we start hearing new things being taught, new things being preached, new things being sung. I tell you what, I believe the devil uses Christian music nowadays more than anything else. They're able to, to work a lot of things into to these songs that can be dangerous and are not doctrinally sound. Uh, one of the things I was reading this weekend about this is supporters of unorthodox beliefs still exist and still attempt to confuse and deceive the people of God. Even though this church may be grounded, even though we may feel like we're grounded in the Word of God, there are people out there that come across and say, I know more than you. You need to trust me. You need to believe me. And so we've got to use our heart and our mind and rightly divide what's being said and taught and sung around us. We have to be cautious. I had um, uh, Maria's cousin, Kayla, had called the other day. She, She had some questions. And one of the things she asked me, and I thought this was hilarious, because I answered it really fast. I didn't even have to think about it. She said, if somebody preached ESV, would you let them behind your pulpit? Now, I'm not going to get off on all these different versions of the Bible. That's not for here. I'd say no. I said no. It's like that. I said no. I will not. i, I protect this pulpit. And that's what's going wrong in these churches nowadays, is the fact that the pastors and the leadership in the church do not per, uh, protect that pulpit the way that they are to protect it. We've got Conley, and we've got Jerry, and we've got James, and myself. The three of them and myself are guardians of this pulpit. I'll never forget when Conley called me the first time to ask me to come up here and preach. Y'all know tomorrow will be seven years since I've been here. So he called me seven years ago uh, to preach on Valentine's Day. Remember this, you called me once and asked me if I'd preach. A couple of days later, he called me back and he said, I forgot to ask you, what version of the Bible do you use? That's good. That's good. Because he was protecting this pulpit. We need more of that in these churches. We have to protect. And I'm not talking about just versions of the Bible. I'm talking about what's being taught and what's being preached behind this pulpit. When you start twisting things around and when you start taking hell out of sermons and sin out of sermons, when you start taking away the blood of Jesus Christ out of the Bible, you don't need to be behind that pulpit. Because if I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to preach hell and I'm going to preach, uh, 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 or if I'm not going to preach about hell, then I probably shouldn't be preaching about heaven either. You've got to take one and you've got to take the other. I'm going to preach hell hot and heaven sweet. I'll preach the devil's mean and Jesus' love. But you got to get them both. You can't just sugarcoat the gospel that they're doing nowadays because they're taking out all the things that lead to salvation. Conviction comes from the things like hell and sin and Satan because that's what we're doing. We're dealing with sin in our lives, and that's where that conviction comes from, from the Holy Spirit. You're doing something you shouldn't do, and when the preacher's preaching on that or against that, then that conviction falls on you. That's where stepping on your toes comes from, That—that's what Nat told me a while ago when we left the fellowship, Paul. He said, I, we'll go with you, just don't step on her toes. That's stepping on your toes. When a preacher gets started on your sins, not knowing your sins, but starts preaching on your sins, that's stepping on your toes. That's where, that's where we're supposed to be. It's what we're supposed to do. Now, I don't expect somebody to come up to me and say, so-and-so is, is doing this in their lives. It's bad. Do you mind to preach on that next weekend? Don't, don't do that. The only time that's ever happened here, Tabitha did it. Now, she's not here, so I can call her out. But it had something to do with gluttony. We, we were eating too much. Yeah. It's probably one Sunday after Easter. <laughs> Maybe it was last Easter. This letter is a wake-up call to believers to watch yourself, to be alert, to be careful, and to be grounded in your faith. This letter is to us whether it be Chestnutdale, Avery County, North Carolina, United States of America, or the church itself, this letter was not just written 2,000 years ago for this woman and her family. This letter was written to us, and he's telling us to be vigilant, be steadfast, stand on the Word of God, be cautious, be wary, be smart, be protective. He's telling them and he's telling us, be careful. Watch yourself. That's what. He- Watch yourself. How many times have you ever heard that in your life? Watch yourself, both good and bad. Watch yourself. You're sitting up there in the booth watching, well, not Abby, but everybody else play softball, they'll hit them dingers up there, them old pop flies, and that's what you hear. Watch out. Watch yourself. They come up over the net, go into the parking lot. You, you got, because watch yourself means be cautious. Heads up. Look out. There's something coming your way. So that's my charge to the church this morning is watch yourself. Be cautious, be vigilant, be on your toes when you leave this church because there's something coming your way. And that something is the devil. He's coming your way. I don't know what he looks like. That was a conversation we had this week about what Satan looks like. Everybody sees him on the cartoons and everything. He's got his little horns and his tail and his little pitchfork and all that. According to what I've read in the Bible, he's pretty. He's pretty. He's, he's, He's an angel. He's pretty. He's decei- he can deceive us. We don't know what he's going to look like, but we've got to be watching for him. We've got to be watching for what he's going to do to us or try to do to us. We've got to keep our heads on a swivel, as they say. John uses this word truth five times in the first four verses. So he's wanting to make sure that this woman, her family, and anybody that's around her is listening for the truth. It's only the truth that they're allowing to be taught. Because He's talking about teachers in here. make sure that it's the truth. So we know he's concerned. he's concerned about what's being taught around this woman and her kids. And you know what? This says a lot about John too, because he didn't just say, "Hey lady, be cautious." He's talking to his kids, to her kids too. That's what we've got to do inside our churches as well in our homes. We've got these children here. We have to protect these children. Who knows? what's being said and taught inside our schools or outside our schools that they might be involved in. Not all schools are bad. Not all schools are bad. Not all teachers are bad. Trust me, they're not. We've got some good teachers out there. But we have to be cautious. We have to be careful. And we have to protect our children. Church, I don't know that we've ever had to protect our children as much as we do right now. Even when I was growing up, Mom and dad, you know, they, they were cautious about things, but they didn't, I didn't have a hover mom. You know, my, my, my sister's a helicopter mom is what we call her. She just hovers over the youngins. But we have to nowadays. We have to protect their little hearts, their little minds, their little eyes, their little ears. We have to protect them because the devil has used, is using everything that's out there to his advantage right now. And he is corrupting our children. One of the writers, uh, and, uh, one of the commentaries said this. He said, so many in our culture deny truth by saying there are no ultimate realities. Or, def- or they define it as your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And that's nothing further from the truth right there. My truth is his truth. I preach what he says. I preach what's in the word of God. That's truth. What comes out of my mouth right here behind this pulpit is truth because it comes from the word of God. Now somebody else might come around not behind here i won't let them and say i'm going to tell you the truth and they'll start talking about other things that are ungodly how abortion is okay because it's a woman's body or how homosexuality is okay because uh god said it was see that's not the truth so that truth is not truth that truth is a lie and that's of the devil because he is the father of those lies so we have to be cautious about who we are around and what we're doing, who we're hanging out with, and what we're listening to, what's being taught. God is the ultimate standard that all else should be judged. What we preach should only come from right here. That's it. Right here. Not what you Google, not what you search, not what you've been told, but what's been written. There's where the truth comes from. And we've got to stick with that truth. God is true. His word is true. His ways are true because he is truth. Whatever or whoever contradicts him is false. Whoever or whatever contradicts him is a liar. They are deceitful. And we have to be cautious. Watch out. John pointed out three things in this one little book here that we're going to hit real fast here because he's saying the church is at war. Over 2,000 years ago, the church was at war. Has that war ever ended? Absolutely not. Will that war ever end? Not till the rapture. Not till we go home. Right. We're going to be in a battle. We're going to fight tooth and nail. will be after the rapture. We're going, to, we're going to be riding back in on some horses. And we'll finish that battle at Armageddon. How's that? We've got to use caution. First thing he's talking about is a commandment. This is that commandment that we always ignore. That one commandment that he's telling us, and we always turn our head, and we don't want to hear it. And that commandment is to love one another. Nobody wants to do that. I can't love them. You've seen what they look like. You've seen what they... Or have you heard what they said? Do you know what they've done to me? I can't love them. But Jesus commanded us. Look at verse 5 again. He says, And now I beseech thee, lady... Not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning that we love one another. John is pretty quick to say, hey, this, I didn't make this up. I didn't just now write this down for you to hear. Jesus told us this. God told us this. Over in Leviticus, he told us this. From the beginning to love one another. He's wanting, us to, he's wanting to remind them. Whatever's going on in your community, you've got to love them. That statement that Christians should love one another is a recurring theme throughout the New Testament. Because why? Why would love be a recurring theme in the New Testament? Because that's where Jesus showed up. And what is Jesus? He is love. And so we see that continuously. Even you get into Revelation, as bad and destructive as it sounds, there's still love in the book of Revelation. So all through the New Testament, we see this big, beautiful picture of Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you see love. And so we have to be reminded to love and to love one another as he has loved us. But knowing God's command, though, right here, that's not enough. We have to put it into practice. You have to practice what you preach. And that's the tougher part. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, I love them. Oh, I love them. But you've got to practice what you preach. Do what God has commanded us to do. Love for others was and is not optional. If love for others was optional, do you think God would love the sinners? If it was optional for him, no, he, he probably, well, I don't know. He's God, he probably would. But for us, it's not optional. As Christians, it's not optional for us because of what the Bible says. We are to love one another because God has loved us. Jesus loves us. If Jesus loves us and we are to be Christ-like, that means we are to love others. I could probably stop there and we can go home because you might not hear the rest of what's getting ready to be said. We get hung up on that. I can't love them. Look what they've done to me. Look what they've said to me. Look what they've done to my family. They have destroyed me. And my family, I can't love them. Yes, you can. Because God loves them. Even though they may be the most miserable, whatever type of person you want to call them, God still loves them. As big a sinner as they are, as much as they've hurt this world, God still loves them. And we are to love them. John knew that if they were to be effective in ministry, love would have to be present in their lives and in love was going to have to be shown to one another. There is our hang-up. That's why so many churches and so many people do not have an effective ministry, because there's no love in it. When you start showing love, that's when your ministry grows. That's when the church grows. That's when your congregation grows. That's when your Sunday school rooms grow. That's uh, when the choir grows. That's when everything grows. That's when we start showing love. God starts blessing us. When we start showing love to the homeless, we're blessed. When we start showing love to the addict, we're blessed. When we start showing love to those that have had a rough lifestyle, we're blessed. We start seeing growth. God starts using His people. So it's not optional. It's never been optional. Nowhere in the Bible says pick A or pick B or pick C or pick D. All we have is love. You have to love. John confirmed that the, the command to love didn't come from him. That's what I like about this. If I, he had given nothing new. It's a reminder. Hey, I didn't just write this down. It just come to, just come to mind. All of a sudden, I thought, oh, you know what? Y'all are to love one another. He's, he's telling everybody, it's not new. This has come from the beginning. Jesus actually referred to this commandment given of God to Moses over in Leviticus 19.18. It says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he says, I am the Lord. We live in a a culture that lacks genuine love for others. And it's just getting worse and worse. I was watching uh, a little documentary the other day, or listening to it, and it was talking about 20 years ago. 20 years ago. 20 years ago was just 2003. That's not that long ago. And then I start thinking about things that were 20 years before that and, and the way things have changed in the past 10, 20, 30, and 40 years. Ministry itself has changed so much. The world has changed so much. But the Word of God has never changed. What was written for us over 2,000 years ago, well over 2,000 years ago, has not changed. God's love for His people has not changed. God's love for the sinners has not changed. (coughs) I'm getting ready to get some help. Clayton's going to come up here and scotch me now. This commandment is non-negotiable. It's never been and never will be. This Bible is non-negotiable. It never has and never will be. We are not to change the Word of God. We are to do what the Bible says. We are to love one another as it says. And this woman, she had not been called to share her love for those within the church only, but for all sinners. And so we, that's a good reminder for us. I, my Bible didn't say, when you guys voted us in, that I could only love this congregation. There's nowhere in that Bible that says I can only love Chestnutdale. What the Bible tells us is we're to love one another. One another. And that's, that's everybody. Everybody around us. Not just certain people. Not just other Christians. Not just other Baptists. But it is everybody. Everyone that's out there. And it's, it's easy to love certain people but it's hard it can be difficult to love others how many of y'all got people in your family that you find it hard to love you don't have to answer this <laughs> Judy you don't have to say a word about BJ <laughs> it's hard I've got them in my family it's hard hard to love them we love those who agree with our, our position but we tend to dislike those that don't agree with us ain't that right I ain't talking politics. I'm just talking about in general. There's no greater proof of our faith in in Jesus than the ability to love others. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this small commandment, uh, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. That's how you show your disciple of Jesus Christ. By loving others and by showing that love. Uh, John, 2 John 1.6 here, again it says, And this is love that we walk after the, his commandment. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. The end of the world. They took his tractor away. The world we live in has a. It's, we've just got a cockeyed perception of love. We just have this messed up perception of what love really is. It's because love has been taken out of our homes, love has been taken out of our churches. We don't talk about love anymore, we don't show that love anymore. We have to walk in love in order to please our Lord. We're going to have to show others what love looks like to please God. Nap time. Jesus said right here, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you don't love, and this, heart is, this is going to step on your toes, but if you don't love, plainly says right here, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you're not loving others, you're not keeping his commandments. That, that's harsh, I know, but it's the truth. Secondly, there we have the confession in here. Verse 7 says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now in John's day, <coughs> many false teachers or deceivers taught that the spirit was good and matter was evil. Matter being you know, like flesh. And it was hard for them to comprehend that jesus was god and flesh it is still hard for us to comprehend that you know god came down to earth and had skin on it we, we can't really wrap our minds around that but back in john's day it was really difficult for them to understand it so they said jesus could not have been both god and man but many false teachers out there still teach an unbiblical understanding of jesus you really want to get me fired up you start showing me some videos and i and i do watch these just just for fuel, but there was, I don't know what denomination it was, but there was a little feller up there, queers football bat, wearing one of those, he's wearing his robe, and he had his little uh, scarf on, and it had the rainbow flag on it, and just absolutely tore me up when I watched it, and how he was talking about God was gay, and how Jesus Loved everyone equally, and he's right there, but then he took it and he put his own little homosexual spin on it. Made me sick. And they promote this stuff to get people to come to church. Hey, this is the way we see God come to our church because this is what you believe. And it makes me sick. That's false teaching. That's deceivers in the world. And, and it's, it breaks my heart that they're going into what they call a church, and they're proclaiming this. It would be probably pretty good if God would just smoke that church, just send down a little bit of fire and just burn that thing up. That's nothing more than Sodom and Gomorrah going on right there. It needs to go. We cannot support that. We don't, we we can't, I can't get behind that. I will not get behind that. I will not say that they're correct in any of their doctrine right there. These teachers are dangerous because they twist the truth and undermine the foundations of Christian faith. And they'll get, it, they'll get you when you're sensitive, when, when you're tender. That's when they try to get you and get you to come in. They wait for something to happen in your life, and they'll try to draw you in. The great danger of deceitful leaders is they, they seem sincere and believable. There's so many people out there, so many especially teachers or, or preachers, that they come across, and they're soft-spoken, and they, they come across with, uh, I don't know, they seem like they're compassionate people the way they talk to you. But they're fake. They're just putting on a show. They're just trying to get to your heart. They're just trying to, to tug on your heartstrings so that they can get you where they want you. And then they'll attack. The way others live shows a lot about what they believe in Jesus and about Jesus. The enemy tries to, to present this counterfeit truth with uh, what we would call alternative facts. Alternative facts. That would just be a lie. That's what that is. That's just a, a fancy way of saying a lie. Alternative facts. Thirdly, last thing, and I'm going to close up here with this one. The teaching of Jesus. This is a, the third thing that John is pointing out for us right here. It's the teaching of Jesus. Verse 8 tells us, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. He's saying right here, watch yourselves. Heads up. Be cautious. Be on your toes. Be aware of your surroundings. You ever heard of situational awareness? That's, that's what we're doing right now. we have got to be aware of what's going on around us. Inside the churches, inside our homes, inside your heart, you need to be aware of what's going on around you. Because the devil's at work, and he is putting in some overtime right now. Him and his demons, they are everywhere, doing everything. John challenged this lady to look within herself, regarding her faith in jesus look at your heart look at your heart check yourself check your heart that's a challenge that's a great challenge right there from him check your heart where's your walk where do you stand with god faith is personal and maintaining faith it requires commitment Everything we do nowadays requires a commitment. What, what is marriage? It's a commitment. School is a commitment. Your career is a commitment. We're committed to these things. But to have a, a relationship with Jesus, it is a commitment. But it's a higher commitment than anything I just, I just rattled off. It's the greatest commitment that you'll ever make. Accepting Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior, that's the greatest commitment that you'll ever have. And being committed in that relationship is important because being committed in any relationship means that you're growing in that relationship. Husbands and wives, go back and you look at when you was married and look at where you are now. Look at the commitment that you had in that relationship and how you've grown together and you've you've become one. You think alike. You do all these things together, maybe that you didn't do 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, however long it's been that you've been married, but that's commitment. You're committed to that relationship. You're committed to learning your spouse and loving your spouse. We have to stay devoted to the Lord, walking daily with Him for us to endure. You've got to stay committed to your partner, your husband, your wife, to endure through all of these things that you're going to have to endure and go through your, in your life. And John reminded her that she had worked too hard to obtain what she had to walk away and to abandon the faith. She had to endure steadfastly. She had to endure what she was going through to keep the faith. Galatians 6, 9, Paul tells us, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, as we have therefore opportunity. Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them, who are the household of faith. We have come too far to turn back now. I love that song. We have come too far to turn back now. Not that we can turn away from our salvation because you knew that ain't going to happen. But if you've come this far where the Lord has just walked with you daily and daily and daily and you've got closer and closer and closer and now you've hit a rough, rocky spot in your life and you just turn around and you've abandoned God because He ain't going to abandon you. You've abandoned God. He's right where you left Him. And He's ready for you to come back to Him. Don't turn away now. Just because things are rough in your life right now, don't turn away from God. This is where you turn to Him and you rely on Him the most. We have to examine our hearts so we can walk with the Lord and maintain that which has begun in us. I think Paul wrote that. We have to keep with with Him in that walk. John knew walking with the Lord was not easy. In the midst of resistance. That's what we're in right now. We're in the midst of resistance. And that resistance is coming from the enemy, which is the devil. And so, yeah, this walk is going to get hard. It's going to get even harder. And harder. Until he comes, it's going to get rough every single day. But he says, keep on. Be persistent. Keep walking. Just march. You don't have to walk. Just march. And stay with God. Life's hard at best, but we have to remember that eternity awaits the, those that are saved by grace. This walk is hard, but the end result is heavenly. It's wonderful. 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. We will one day enter the eternal presence of God with full reward. We've just got to keep with it. Keep with it. Keep trucking on. Bear with them. Bear with one another. Love one another. And Get a little bit closer to Jesus. Stand with me. We're going to close out. I don't know. I mean, we all read the Bible differently, but I don't know that there's a stronger message for the church right now than coming out of Second John. What well, he wrote to that lady and her family, I believe, rings true to us today. There's too many false teachers, too many false prophets out there in this world. There was a lot of them back in the day. But I believe now we have, we have technology. We have the Internet and social media and things like that. And that's such a, it's a, it's a, it's a platform for them. And it's unfortunate. And they're pulling a lot of people away from God because of that platform that they have. Their their status as a celebrity or whatever it is leading a lot of people to hell. So be cautious. Be vigilant. Stay on your toes. Heads up. Stay aware. All that stuff. Just remember, the devil's out there. He's lurking. And he's ready to attack. (coughs) Keep your armor on. Keith, will you dismiss us, please? Thank you all. See you. Wednesday.